Akuta Sichas Chelik Chafalev Pasha Tetzava Sicha Beis a summary of the Sicha. In this week's Pasha we have the uh, description of how to make the different garments of the Kayan and that they have to wear them when they do the service. And it concludes al Aaron and they shall be upon Aaron and his sons when they come into the oil to the holy place when they approach the Mizbeach to do the service, the holy service. And they shall not bear a sin and die. Meaning to say, says Rashi, that if the from here you learn that if they serve with missing one of these garments, missing a garment, then they would be deserving of death. Because by only by wearing them do they avoid death. If they don't wear them properly, then they will die. So the commentaries ask, what does Rashi mean from here we learned? Rashi earlier, only like eight sukkim earlier, he it says over there, and they shall be upon Aaron to serve, and the sound of him coming, entering into the holy place before Hashem, and when he leaves the holy place, they shall be upon him. It's talking about the me'il, a tunic, a blue tunic, with, which had bells on the bottom. So he had to be heard when he was walking, coming into the holy place, and, and uh, then he will not die. So Rashi says, from the fact that it says that he will not die, you know that what the positive would be. If they wouldn't be on him, then he would die. If he were missing one of these garments. So in other words, Rashi already told us this eight psukim back. So what do you mean? Why is he telling us all this again? Why does the Pasuk have to mention this again? We know this already, that if he doesn't wear the garments, he'll die. If it wasn't for Rashi, we would just simply say, the Torah often gives us you know, a second warning, a second time, in order to make us understand that it's very serious and that we have to really pay attention to this. We're dealing with serious matters. Like sometimes the same prohibition is mentioned more than once in order to that if you violate that one, you have violated two commands in the Torah. So that it could have been explained that way. But Rashi says, Holamadata, here in the second time that we talk about this, he says, from here you learn. What do you mean from here we learn? We learned that already eight psukim earlier. The Mizrahi, a commentary on Rashi, explains it this way. He says, in the first pasuk, eight psukim back, the Torah had only described six of the eight garments of the Kain Gadol till that time, until that point, which is the Chayshin, the Eifad, Me'il, Ksainis, Mitznefes, Va'avnet, I'll translate it once, the breastplate, the, the apron, the Me'il, the tunic, the uh, shirt, the turban, and the gartel. Till then he had only explained, mentioned those six garments. Then he says, and if he goes in without missing a garment he will die, or he shouldn't die, and therefore we know he would die without it. And then he goes on to explain about the, uh, the, the gold plate that was across his forehead, and the trousers that the Kainam had to wear. So therefore the second mention is, the first mention is, if he were missing one of those six. The second mention is if he's missing any of the eight. So that's why you have two psukim. We learn six from this pasuk and the other two from this pasuk. And we can even see this in the words of Rashi in a way, because the first Rashi says, if he were to enter missing one of these garments, that means, in other words, one of these six that have already been mentioned. Whereas in the second Pasuk, he says, if he were to serve, lack missing a garment, 
He doesn't say which garment, obviously including all eight, so that sort of lends itself to the Mizrahi's expl- uh, interpretation. But, uh, but according to this explanation, why does the Torah, why just not tell us the second one and leave out the first one? The second one includes all eight, so what do you need the first one for? So it still doesn't explain it, really. Other commentaries give other explanations, and uh, so the Rebbe goes on to say that perhaps we can explain it in this way. In the first uh, eight psukim back, Rashi says it this way, if he were to enter missing one of his garments. In the second pasuk, in our pasuk, he says, when he serves, does service missing a garment. A very different uh, expression. So the commentary has explained the difference because in the first one he's talking about the me'il, as I said, that makes noise when he goes in. And the Pasuk says, and his sound should be heard when he comes into the uh, Beis HaMikdash. So over there Rashi says, when he enters, he has to be wearing those garments, and if not, and so on. In the second Pasuk it says, they shall not bear the sin and die. Over there it says, when they approach the Mizbeach to do service, so therefore Rashi also uses the same thing that if they were to do service lacking one of the garments they would be chayyot. So that's very different. Only entering alone or only if you do service without a garment. And even though you may ask the question if just for entering into the, into the holiness you're already chayyot misa so needless to say if you do service there just by entering you're already chayyot misa lacking one of the garments. Of course if you go on to do service, you're chayim misa anyway. So what's the point of telling us both? So this could be explained this way. When entering, it says, Elakaydish, which might mean to the building of the Beis HaMikdash, the Oyel Moyed, the Mishkan. When, but when, if you, hung, if you hung around, if you just entered into the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, where, or the Mishkan, where the, where the Mizbeach is, so just by being there, missing a garment, you wouldn't be chayim only if you did service on the Mizbeach, lacking a garment, then you would be chayyot. So there's a big difference between going into the building or just being in the courtyard. And that's what the difference is. And another explanation of the question of, you already, if you just entered your chayyot, so then needless to say, if you did service, to answer that could be in this way. When, how do you know that just entering your chayyot you only know that because there are two psukim. If there had been only one pasuk, we would have to use it in order to inter- say that if you do service, you're chayyot. How do you know if you just enter? That's why the second pasuk has to come to tell us even just entering, you're also chayyot. So that's a Gemara type of a pilpul, but it really doesn't work in the simple pshat of the psukim because the pasuk over here by us, the second pasuk, actually numerates both. It says when they when they enter into the oil mayid or when they approach the Mizbeach to do service. Only then will they be spared death if, they not, if, they're, if they're wearing all the garments. So the Pasuk clearly stipulates both of them in the same Pasuk. So you don't need that first Pasuk anymore. So the question comes back, after all these discussions, why do we need two Psukim for this? If we already know it from the first Pasuk, what do we need the second Pasuk? And also to understand the difference in the way Rashi words it, entering... And he says also missing these garments, or if he does service with lacking a garment, he doesn't say which garment. So to understand this, let's see another difference that we find in these two psukim. One of them seems to be describing, in our pasuk, he's describing Aaron and his sons. 
and it's uh, that it, this should be the law for him for eternity for the for the kainim that they have to wear the garments and otherwise they could deserve death. Whereas in the first pasuk it's talking about Aaron himself. Aaron It should be upon Aaron. The garment should be upon Aaron when he serves the uh, in the base amigdosh. So the difference is. The first pasuk is talking about Aaron specifically. The second pasuk is talking Aaron as well as all the other Kayanim and forever. So we need to understand that difference. But that has to be understood too because if we know that it includes Aaron and all the other Kayanim from the second pasuk, so what do we need the first pasuk for? The same question comes back. So it seems, so it becomes clear that there is something specific about that first, when we talk about Aaron, and those three garments which are mentioned in that Pasuk. Because the Pasuk, of course, we had mentioned all six garments that we mentioned before, up on that po- um, to that point. But three of them were only mentioned in a very brief manner, just naming them rather than explaining at length how to make them. Whereas when it comes to the Eifed and the Me'il and the Chayshen, the Torah gets into very specific details about how they're made and then says, and they shall be upon him when he enters into the Kedush. So it seems that it pertains specifically to these three garments. To summarize, I don't think I said that clearly enough. The reason that we need to be told the first passage, which talks only about Aaron, is because there's something specific about the three garments, these, which are the Cheshun, Me'il, and Ephod, which pertain only to Aaron, and that needs to be mentioned separately. And that's why it's not enough if it just mentions all the eight together, and as they pertain to Aaron and his sons, the four for the sons and the eight for Aaron, that wouldn't be enough. We need to be told something specific about these three garments. What is that? So what is unique about these three garments? We find that at the end of describing each one of those garments, the Torah describes its purpose. Why this garment? So, in regards to the, uh, to the aphid, which is the apron, it says that the, na- the names of the Jewish tribe should be inscribed on the two stones that are on the two shoulders of Aaron in the Lizukarin Lubnei Yisrael to bring up the memory of the Jewish people um, and, and Aaron shall bring their names in before Hashem to remember that Hashem will remember the Jewish people the purpose of that is to bring the memory of the Jewish people before Hashem that's how the Torah describes it when it finishes describing how to make the Cheshen it says a similar thing and Aaron shall carry the names of the Jewish people on the Cheshen, on his heart, because the names were inscribed on the twelve stones, as everybody knows, when he comes into the holy place, to bring up Hashem's, uh, the memory of uh, the Jewish people before Hashem, always. And then at the end of the meal, it's, meal, it says, after describing how to make it, it says, and they shall be upon, it shall be upon Aaron, when he serves, and his, the sound of him coming and going will be heard by Hashem. In other words, the Torah describes each one of these three garments in the same way. When the Kayan Gadol enters, he will bring up the memory of the Jewish people before Hashem, or Hashem, uh, he will be heard coming and going from the holy place. Everything about these three garments is about 
entering into the holy place. That's the way the Torah describes it. But when it comes to the other five garments, it just describes what they should be, and then it says, they shall be upon Aaron when he comes to do the service in the Beis Amigdash. So the five garments, or the complete set of eight, that has to do with doing the Aveda, doing the service in the Beis Amigdash. These three garments have everything to do with him entering into the Beis Amigdash, and more specifically than just doing the service in general. And that's why there's such a big difference between these two, the three that were mentioned earlier, and their Rashi. And Rashi says, Begodim Alolu, these, and he says that it's if he were to enter without them, because they are specific to entry, their purpose is accomplished as soon as the Kayin Gadol comes into the room. Whereas the other ones, he says, if he were to serve missing one of the garments, and he doesn't mention which garments, because it pertains to all of them, you need all eight in order to be able to do the service. And even though the tzitz is also described as having a function, so that uh, it says it shall be upon the forehead of Aaron, um, and Aaron shall, uh, shall atone for the sins, any sin connected with the carbonus uh, and so on, and that they shall be upon it shall be upon the uh, forehead of Aaron always as a bringing uh, to bring their good will before Hashem so over there it also the tzitz seems to describe that it has to be there, it's there in order to bring atonement but since Rashi describes that what, what does he mean by tamid? what do you mean it should be on his forehead always did the Kayin Gadol always wear the tzitz certainly not Rashi says, Tamid means that sits on its own brings atonement. Even if Aaron wasn't a, didn't come into them wearing it, even if he wasn't wearing it at all, it brings atonement. In other words, that the sits has nothing to do with coming into the Beis Amidash. The fact that it exists, that's what brings atonement. It's unrelated to coming in. And therefore it's grouped with the category of service has to be done with all eight garments. And that explains the difference between the two, between the two categories. So it comes out that according to Rashi, the death sentence for the Mi'il, Eifoid, and Chayshen would occur if he, he was missing any one of those three, just entering he would already be Chayev. Whereas the other five garments, only if he did service missing one of them, only then would he be Chayev Misa. To explain this Rashi and the, and the insight that comes out of this Rashi according to the inner dimension of Torah. The purpose of the Kayan Godel, the Kayan and the Kayan Godel is to connect the Jewish people to Hashem through, their, uh, through the Avedah that they do, through their being there and doing the service in the Beis Amigdash, whatever service it is. And there are two ways in which the Yidin are connected to Hashem. The obvious way, which is that when you do a, when you study Torah, when you learn, when you do mitzvahs, you are connected to Hashem. That comes about through the service that you do, through the avodah that you do. But there is a connection that exists between the yidn, which transcends avodas Hashem. The fact that we are the Hashem's children, that in itself, even before He sends us on a mission, even before He hands us a mission, He turns us. He we are dear to him and he wants to be connected to him 
that's why the Jewish people are described as a hidden treasure because just as a hidden treasure means the king has a treasure he has different types of treasures one is he has the, the taxes and the money that the operating fund that they run the government run wars and so on then there is treasures which are there just to adorn his crown and so on they don't, he's not planning to spend it it's more for beauty then there is treasures which are hidden the ones that nobody knows about it's just because it's there and the king delights in owning something so precious he doesn't plan to do anything with it it's just the, having it already brings joy and that's what the Jewish people are to Hashem before he even has a, a job for us just having us as his family as his children that brings joy and that's the two different types of connections that we have with Hashem and the Kayin Gadol all expresses both of these types of connection between the Yid and Hashem just entering into the Beis Hamikdash before he even begins any service that is in order to bring up the memory of the Jewish people before Hashem as we discussed the Me'il and the, the Cheshen and the Eifed that's what is there to remind Hashem that he has a beloved, beloved children not that he's forgotten but we are brought up in his memory before he even begins uh, Avaidah only then comes the second uh, the second type of um, connection to Hashem which comes through his service because they didn't also have to connect to Hashem through doing Torah and Mitzvahs and this also expresses the why these three garments what is it about these three the Cheshen, the Eifed and the Me'il the Cheshen and the Eifed had something um, it it had the names of the Jewish people engraved on the stones that brings to mind the idea of the, there are certain Jewish people that are on a higher level you look at them you see the, the Jewishness it, it bursts forth from them it's engraved on them They're not two, it's not two separate things from them it's engraved, it's part and parcel of who they are it defines who they are that's the kind of Yidin that are represented by the Cheshen and the Eifed which had the names of the Jewish people inscribed uh, in the stones of them but then even there there are two different levels there is the Cheshen which was the breastplate that sat on the heart of Aaron that sat on his chest near his heart in other words these are describing Jewish people that have transformed their character into holy people they don't have negative impulses at all they have oh, they've completely transformed themselves their character is fully focused on Hashem then there are people which are represented by the uh, aphid, by the apron where the stone sat on his shoulders which is more representative of the back not the front and the heart but the back meaning a Jew that still has to control their impulses we're not done with refining ourselves to the point where we don't have negative impulses we do have and we need to work on that so that's we are they're very much into it and they're gaining a handle on it but it's still only on the back in other words it's not yet a completely permeative type of Aveda but yet doing good work you know getting there then there is the Me'il which represents the Jewish people which are still working on can we get it right can we do the right thing let's work on doing the right thing they are represented by the Me'il because on the bottom of the Me'il was little balls which were called pomegranates the Torah describes them as pomegranates the pomegranate in in its an 
is analogous to the Jew that is called a pomegranate. Why? Because even though they may, they may not be perfect, they're just the empty ones, they're called. They're not up there with the, uh, with the tzaddikim, but even then they are filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. So the pomegranate and the posik represents the lower element, the lower level of Jews, which even though they're not perfect, they still have a lot of mitzvahs. So in other words, the three garments represent three general categories of Jewish people. And the Torah says that when the Kayin Gadol comes into the Beis Amigdash, he has to bring in the memory of every single category of Jew. There is nobody that can be left out. If he walks in missing one of these garments, which means he's forgotten to bring in the memory of one category of Jewish people, death. He's not doing the job. He can't accomplish what, he, what he's meant to do because he hasn't brought all the Jewish people in with him. Because there can be no difference between any Jew in their, present, in their coming before Hashem. Every Jew has to be represented. The Rebbe says that this is also a lesson to each and every one, anyone that has influence. When you come in contact with a Jew, the first thing is the Karim. Bring, him, bring his memory back to who he is. Explain to him that he is a son of, uh, that his neshama is from Hashem, comes directly from Hashem, it's connected to Hashem. Then you can get to describe to him what do you have to do as an, an individual? Where are you? Where can I help you grow? Where can I help you get away from negative behavior, get closer to positive behavior? But first you have to bring up his memory, then do you get to doing the service? And when we do this kind of spiritual uh, work, the spiritual meaning of the garments of the Kaingal that we just described, then we will have Moshe and Aaron and his sons, and they will literally be bringing the, uh, wearing the garments and doing the Avaid and the Beis Hamikdash Ashlishi speedily in our days.